you have a lot of milestones right when you develop a product and uh, it all starts with a good team and you know they have to understand how startups work because startups are not like any other company the challenges are different and the day to day tasks are different and the expectations are different Welcome to Medsider, where you can learn from the brightest founders and CEOs in medical devices and health technology. Join tens of thousands of ambitious doers as we unpack the insights, tactics, and secrets behind the most successful life science startups in the world. Now, here's your host, Scott Nelson. Hey everyone, it's Scott. In this episode of Medsider, I sat down with Abita Batra. With expertise in oncology, biotech, and medical devices, Abita co-founded and currently leads strategy at Neuro42, a startup developing an innovative MRI platform. Abita holds a master's degree in pharmaceutical biotechnology from the University of Pennsylvania and executive MBAs from UCLA Anderson and the National University of Singapore. Before Neuro42, she started several companies and held a variety of roles in business development and strategic consulting with organizations such as Automagnetics and AdMac Oncology. Here are a few of the key things that we discussed in this conversation. First, at the outset of your startup, your first two concerns should be building a knowledgeable and adaptable team and conducting a thorough market analysis to pinpoint the exact gap you aim to fill. Second, when it comes to navigating the regulatory landscape, you should meticulously plan your path, realistically predict the corresponding timelines, and allow your team enough room to respond to FDA's requests while ensuring your course aligns with fundraising milestones. Third, every stage of your company requires a different approach to fundraising. The amount you're raising, the promises you're making, and the proof you need to show all vary. But in essence, the key is to present a compelling case and communicate it clearly to potential investors and partners. All right, before we jump into this episode, I wanted to let you know that the latest edition of Medsider Mentors is now live. We just published volume five, which summarizes the key learnings from the most popular Medsider interviews over the last several months with incredible entrepreneurs like Gabriel Jones, CEO of Proprio, Kirsten Carroll, CEO of Can Do Health, Dr. David Albert, founder of AliveCore, Greg Bullington, CEO of Magnolia Medical, and other leaders of some of the hottest startups in our space. Look, it's tough to listen or read every interview that comes out, even the best ones, but there are so many valuable lessons you can pick up from the founders and CEOs that join our program. So that's why we decided to create Medsider Mentors. It's the easiest way for you to learn from the world's best medical device and health technology entrepreneurs in one central place. To check out the latest volume, head over to medsiderradio.com forward slash mentors. Premium members get free access to all past and future volumes. If you're not a premium member yet, you should definitely consider signing up. In addition to every volume of Medsider Mentors, you'll get full access to the entire library of interviews dating back to 2010. You'll also be able to see all of our playbooks, which are handpicked collections of the most insightful interviews with the brightest founders and CEOs that join our program. Whether you're looking to master capital fundraising, navigate early stage development, tackle regulatory challenges, understand reimbursement, or position your venture for a meaningful exit, Medsider Playbooks have you covered. And last, considering that fundraising can be one of the most daunting tasks for any startup, we created a meticulous database of investors right at your fingertips. Explore a wealth of VC funds, private equity firms, angel groups, and more, all eager to invest in medical device and health technology startups. Access to this database is a premium member exclusive, so don't miss out. Learn more about Medsider Mentors and our premium memberships by visiting medsiderradio.com forward slash mentors. All right, without further ado, let's jump into the interview. All right, Abadeh, welcome to Medsider Radio. Appreciate you coming on the, the program. Thank you, Scott. I'm 
really honored to be here i appreciate you guys talking about healthcare and new companies and excited to be a part of it yeah yeah definitely enjoy uh conversations like these that uh that are you know highly focused on kind of fast moving startups like Neuro42. So with that said, I, I recorded a, a very uh, condensed version of your bio kind of at, at the outset of this episode. Uh, but let's start there. You've got a really impressive background um, across both biotech and medtech. Uh, so if you can give us sort of an elevator pitch for your professional career leading up to you know co-founding Neuro42 and kind of serving as the the CSO, uh, that would be great. Yeah, I would define myself as a entrepreneur um, who loves to invest in healthcare startups in whichever form and way, as an advisor, investor, or as an entrepreneur uh, getting involved operationally or strategically. This is but this has been something which has been my passion. I'd love to be involved in something that makes a change in someone's life. If we can save one life, which, you know, through our companies, we try and create products which uh, create an impact in not only saving lives, but also having a better betterment in some form and way. That's what I enjoy the most. Got it. And you've been at the company since I think looks like mid 2020. So, you know, about three and a half years or so. Give us a sense for kind of what you're working on, sort of the, the, the core foundational technology. And since you founded uh, founded the company, you know, it, you know, if you can kind of weave in sort of the, the origin story, uh, I think that would be interesting. Yeah. It, yeah. It's been uh, three years since we founded the company. Uh, the company was founded when we licensed the technology from Mass General Hospital. Um, it is an innovative technology because what we are trying to do is very interesting where we are basically scanning patients at low field for any sort of brain injury. And uh, we are developing an interventional product that would integrate the use of MRI, AI, and robotics. But it all started with the technology at MGH. Then we brought it out, made it our own. And of course, we have a robot that we licensed from John Hopkins, which is what we would be integrating in our interventional product. Uh, The exciting part, of course, is that the product will change the landscape in operating rooms and that would allow for um, better treatment experience and uh, diagnostic experience for patient and uh, physician. Got it. And I'm going to double click on this a little bit because I'm looking at your website right now, which is neuro42.ai. So neuro, the number four, the number two, .ai. If you're listening to this show and don't get to the full write-up on MedSider, uh, that's the the, the link to to neuro42 and, 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 uh, and what... Uh, Abbott and the team are working on. But so so if I understand this right, it, it, you've got a robot, right, that you're licensing from John Hopkins, uh, the, the kind of the, the, the foundational technology you brought out of, uh, you said Mass General, I believe? Uh, yeah, we licensed the technology from for MRI from Mass General Hospital, and we licensed the technology for robot from John Hopkins. If, if we were to fast forward, you know, two, three, four years, this technology is being utilized in a hospital setting. Is it is it in the OR? Is it in the the kind of the, the interventional suite somewhere in the hospital. Give us a sense for kind of what the what the workflow or what the you know use case would be. Yeah. So um, the diagnostic imager that we are developing is going to be placed in uh, stroke centers, uh, urgent cares, clinical settings, or I should say any office based settings. That's where we are looking at an ambulatory care. The interventional product is going to go into ICUs, ORs 
and of course you know we want to integrate and um, integrate it with the workflow of a neurosurgeon who's doing surgeries on day to day um we are looking at targeting uh, dbs shunt replacement biopsies under guidance with interventional mri okay very good i think it helps set the stage maybe for the rest of the the rest of the discussion um but before we get we kind of go back in time and and learn a little bit more about kind of your journey with with various startups including neuro42 give us a give us a, an overview of kind of where the company is at currently you, you know we we you just touched on the fact that um, you've been working on it for about three years or so, but where are you at in terms of the the stage, preclinical versus clinical, um, Rayclin, uh, et cetera? We do have a clinical prototype and we expect to work with FDA and get the approval next year. Next year. Okay. And we're recording this uh, in late 2023. So it looks like sometime in, in 2024, you're, you'll be in, embarking on, uh, on, on clinical uh, studies. So... We expect to get the FDA approval next year. Oh, okay. FDA approval next year. Okay, got it. Very, very good. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, sounds good. Well, let's 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 use the next you know 20, 25 minutes or so to kind of um, uh, go back in time, right? And learn. I mean, you've been involved in so many different startups, right, throughout your professional career. Neuro Forty Two being obviously the most uh, the most recent one, and uh, would love to kind of get your your insights, right, your advice for other other uh you know med tech uh and life science entrepreneurs that are working on their own on their own ventures and so uh the first question I, I like to kind of start out with is um early stage development and you know this is often so challenging right because most uh most founders and CEOs of early stage uh, life science companies you know have have a fairly limited amount of capital to work with but you know you need to kind of move quickly and get to sort of the next uh, the next iteration of your 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 product to further de-risk the, the the company for you know for future investment. So you know when you think about kind of that that process that 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 early stage sort of iteration, what do you think is 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 most important uh, for entrepreneurs to really understand uh, or to to get right when they're you know trying to move quickly with limited limited capital? I think the most important thing is finding the right people and building a good team, and then of course having a good investor base. That really helps. That's how you start. And of course, you have a lot of milestones, right? When you develop a product and uh, it's all it all starts with a good team. And, you know, they have to understand how startups work because startups are not like any other company. The challenges are different and the day-to-day tasks are different and the expectations are different. So that's why I think the core is a good team. If they understand what's coming their way, you know, then um, you're on the right path. Yeah, that's, it's a, that's a really good point. And there, there is such a stark difference, right, uh, in terms of someone that's spent most of their career inside a mid or, or large cap, you know, strategic company versus those that have, have a little bit of a uh, sort of experience under the belt at a startup. Because it, it, it is vastly different and until you do it. I don't think uh, I think most people don't fully understand kind of the. Uh, the rigor, right, and the speed at which you need to make decisions. Um, so, really, really good point. When you when you think about all of the entrepreneurs that you've either been around or worked with uh, uh, across your career, you know, are there a couple common mistakes uh, that that you often see, kind of in these early stages? Yeah, I think um, if you don't have the right team, that's a big failure in itself, right there. <laughs> but people forget that. Um, when we start a company, you have to have a good market analysis done, right? To understand if there is a gap that 
they are trying to bridge does it even exist so that's something that's so important once you know there is a gap and um that's the gap you're trying to bridge then you can create a good pathway for the product development and of course getting through regulatory and building a plan to get the approval and commercialize it all that comes next um so every every stage has its challenges but you have to understand the challenges very well so as i said earlier the team is so important yeah there's no doubt and that that market gap that you, that you mentioned um i'm sure you you've you've been around a fair number of whether it's an engineer or a clinician that has a really great idea right i mean it yeah. is a compelling idea but the 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 need that they're solving for just doesn't represent either a significant enough gap or a significant enough market uh, and mm. maybe maybe you know oftentimes they're they're kind of one and the same and that's so crucial because you know, in in the world of life sciences these startup i mean they're, they're, every startup is so capital intensive and in order to convince investors to not only invest in maybe the, the, the current stage but also future rounds of of fundraising um, the valuation needs to needs to be there, um, right? Mm-hmm. So they can they can get a return on their money. And that, that's that's a that's a really big thing that I think uh, a lot of folks that haven't been around startups just don't don't quite understand is that you may have a really cool idea and it may be it may be even needed, right? But if the market just isn't big enough, um, it's it's going to be it's going to be a long a long slug, and it may not be a, a venture type of uh, type of company. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because so, if the other if there is no ROI and uh, People don't see how they're going to make money. After all, it's a business. It is. It is. Yeah. And maybe that maybe the take home lesson here, you know, for for those listening that, you know, are are in this early stage or thinking about making the leap to a startup, just understanding that that kind of that that core kind of fundamental idea that your investors are that they have a business model. Right. Uh, and, And they need to return capital to their LPs. And so. Uh, just thinking about those those stages and what it takes to get through each and sort of every every, every stage um, is really crucial. And again, the the market needs to be big enough. So um, let let's transition a little bit, um, Abida, to to uh, kind of the the the, ray, the topic of kind of regulatory and, and, and clinical. And you just mentioned Neuro Forty Two is kind of gearing up for uh, FDA approval next year. Uh, and th- this topic can be, you know, really, really daunting, really challenging. I think for any life science entrepreneur, because it's 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 fairly subjective. Um, even if there's, you know, there's there's guidelines in place, it can be fairly nuanced and subjective. And it's just a big lift across the board, right? It's such a big endeavor to kind of navigate the the regulatory landscape and you know ensure that you're running clinical studies that kind of ladder up to that that pathway. So uh, when you think about um, this topic in general, are there any lessons that you've, you know, you've really picked up on over the years from other startups that you've incorporated into Neuro42 um, over the past, you know, couple of years? Yeah, I think, uh, so this is not the first time we are doing this, right? We have taken a lot of products through approval processes and uh, commercialized quite a few products. So knowing that um, we've done it before, we've dealt with the FDA, um, I think that does bring some sort of comfort. But then again, you know, as I said, the regulatory landscape is evolving. And uh, with every product, there are some new things that come your way. But having that experience does help. And um, we do have a team who has a bandwidth of experience along with me on getting through the regulatory process. So that does um, make it a lot, I would say, easier, and it's valuable. It's a, it's quite a value add to the team. Got it. 
Um, and, and, and I guess maybe I'll ask a similar question as I did with respect to kind of early stage development. When you, uh, you know, work with other other startup entre- entrepreneurs, kind of regardless of kind of where they're at with their their, their current uh, their current venture, do you see some common mistakes that come up um, when they're mapping out or putting together their their, their clinical and regulatory uh, roadmaps? Yeah, I think uh, you have to estimate the right timeline for submissions and then you have to understand um, that you're giving yourself enough time to answer the questions from FDA because that's something that needs to be thought through very very well before even starting out the company right you need to have that pathway planned out on how you're going to move forward on the regulatory clinical pathway so if that is something that can be done before with the regulatory consultants, advisors that you have on board, you know, that that does help. Um, The challenge that typically everyone has is if you don't have the right advice then or or experience yourself, then, you know, it doesn't help. Um, Sometimes you have to have that um, expertise, either yourself or from outside. Um, but yeah, that's very important. No doubt. And, it, and it's such a, that, that, that timeline, right. That you mentioned, it's such a crucial aspect to, to, to fundraising, right. I mean, obviously you need to have that plan in place. That's, that's fairly well vetted just in order to, to effectively operate and execute, uh, against your your goals and milestones but if that's not clearly laid out to potential investors during a during a fundraise that that you know you're not going to make it very far right <laughs> um you know that that's such a that's such a key aspect uh uh that's that, one that, thing in a startup right i mean mm-hmm. when when you put the milestones in you would want to achieve those milestones mm-hmm. and when you have a regulatory pathway um those are a big part of your milestones yep so. no no doubt, no doubt, and 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 in order to, you know, if you if you're if you're raising capital, if you're raising say ten million dollars in capital for rounding purposes, you need to effectively articulate right how you're going to allocate, you know, th- those funds, Absolutely. and so much of it, so much of it needs to uh, needs to point to, you know, that 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 reg uh, in in clinic kind of kind of uh, pathway and roadmap that you develop. It needs to be vetted, right? To your point about working, you know, bringing alongside some. Uh, some sophisticated, uh, you know, counsel to help help make sure that that um, that that plan is, you know, ha- has a fair amount of meat on the bone, right? There's some substance to it. Um, um, so, so with that said, I want I want to talk to you a little bit about um, sort of the impressive roster of institutions or organizations that that you've worked with over the years, and even more specifically to Neuro Forty Two. You know, you you uh, you mentioned previously that you spun out. The, the kind of the underlying technology out of Mass General, you're licensing the robot from, from uh, what was it? Uh, was it St. St. What'd you say? St. John's? St. Tom? I can't remember exactly. What institution are you licensing, licensing the robot from? Uh, Johns Hopkins. Oh, Johns Hopkins. I'm sorry. Um, and so, you know, I, I think most entrepreneurs that are listening to this would be like, I, I th- those names sound really impressive. I'm familiar with all of those organizations. I would have no idea how to effectively partner or collaborate. It seems like a it seems like a very matrix sort of environment. Where do I even start, right? So if you like in your kind of exp- your years of experience working with larger organizations, establishing these types of partnerships, spitting out technology, et cetera, you know what 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 you know are there a couple things that you would sort of uh, a couple pieces of advice you know that you would offer up to other founders and CEOs that are trying to 
uh, trying to navigate these these waters. Yeah, I mean. Hey there, it's Scott, and thanks for listening in so far. The rest of this conversation is only available via our private podcast for MedSider Premium members. If you're not a premium member yet, you should definitely consider signing up. You'll get full access to the entire library of interviews dating back to 2010. This includes conversations with experts like Renee Ryan, CEO of Cala Health, Nadeem Yared, CEO of CVRX, and so many others. As a premium member, you'll get to join live interviews with these incredible medical device and health technology entrepreneurs. In addition, you'll get a copy of every volume of MedSider Mentors at no additional cost. To learn more, head over to MedSiderRadio.com forward slash premium. Again, that's MedSiderRadio.com forward slash premium.